All right, uh, we're ready to go. So, first of all, I just want to uh, thank you so much for making the time to come through and be on the Podcast Cafe. Uh, like I said, I've been following your work for some time, um, and I like the progressive nature of what you do. So, Mr. Sazi, I want to firstly just uh, maybe let the listeners know who you are and what you do. Uh, thanks, uh, Diaza. Uh, so... I'm, I'm the chairman of the uh, Duke Basketball Academy. The first time as a team, uh, mm. because we saw a gap in sport, in the sport code. Mm. That basketball was not something that was receiving attention. In fact, it's usually found upon as uh, a game of niggas mm-hmm. or a game of uh, a certain people who live a certain lifestyle and things like that. But it's actually a beautiful game. Mm. Um, so, so, so then we saw a team, but we saw that now, having a team in a space that you don't have uh, teams, and then we started an academy mm. to develop uh, even new players who are playing basketball, but who are interested. So, that's that basically what I do uh, as a person. Then I run different programs uh, for basketball, of course, not just uh, Riches Bay, but in other places also, because we go out. A lot. Uh, we go as far as Devon, we go oh, wow. directions. Uh, yeah, in the province, and we tend to go out from the province. Yeah. Uh, so we got some games lined up, uh, even in Soweto. Uh, Soweto wow. Hospital, I've had the arena, I've had the arena, I've had the arena, I've had the arena, I've had Wonderful. Now, I will start off with... Um, the basketball, because I, I, you know, as somebody who is from Richards Bay, um, lack of, uh, let me say, activities or murals where um, young people, but also uh, the older generation can find time in doing something progressive, you know, with their time. What, when did you start with the basketball? Because right now I see uh, the Duke Sazi Basketball Club is very progressive. How long did you start? How long ago did you start? Well, I, I think I started last year. Uh, last year in March, um, I think uh, in a couple of months from now we'll be uh, one year old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I last year, I used to be a basketball player myself, an amateur basketball player. Oh. Like um, but I never got the attention that I would want athletes to get. Oh yes. Uh, obviously, for obvious reasons that um, basketball is just a uh, Taken as a as an elite sport, you know, yes. uh, things like that. But um, so so I thought, let me just start my own team. Uh, let me start a team. Let me get work with anyone who's interested, who has been in basketball, um, who wants to play, who wants to learn the game. Um, I'm gonna learn with them if there's anything because I've never been a professional basketball player. Mm. Um, but learning is one skill. That is not denied to anyone. So I said, let me just start a team. Um, I mean, we live in a digitized age now, information age. So if I need anything, I go suffer, I structure it, I filter it, and then that's it. And uh, then we started a team. And then when we started, we we then focused specifically uh, on a specific age group, uh, which was between 13 and 18. So it must be. Uh, 13 years to 18 years and at high school from grade 8 to grade 12 and that's that has been our focus from when we started when we started uh, uh, last year March yeah 
Fantastic. And uh, how has the reception been? Uh, you guys uh, are very active right now. How was the reception from specifically age group 13 and 15? Those are high school attending um, students or, or, or participants. How has the reception been? Do they like basketball? Are they coming through? Uh, the, the best we've seen so far is that the most people who, who are coming into the academy are actually coming from other posts, sports codes. Wow. So you find you find most of them are actually from soccer. Uh, players are coming from soccer. They're coming from rugby. They're coming from uh, uh, others, even netball. Uh, so they're coming from other sport codes. You'll only find two of players who originally loved basketball. And mm-hmm. then what you'll see is that the ones who are coming from the different sport codes uh, are actually being, they are excelling. Um, uh, they are excited about the game. Mm. Initially, obviously, the reception was a bit cold uh, because when 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 we said we're starting a team, uh, there was when we came to court, there was two people who came. Mm. After writing to school, all the schools in Richards Bay, and and we found only two people in court. And uh, I remember the coach at that time. I think it was uh, Coach Sanelo Maisa said, "Don't worry, they will come." And and, and I said to him. Um, uh, I'm, I'm willing, even if there's one player uh, who comes consistently, we won't have team, you know. So, so, but gradually, then you'll find people more interested in stuff like that. Perhaps others, they also, you know, there's a challenge of people attending extra classes, um, so they might not get time. Uh, but mostly, we've got players, we've got people who are interested, we've got people who want to learn basketball. We've got people now who watch the NBA for the first time in December. And wow. they're the ones wow. who are telling you about it. And um, so so it's been exciting, eh? It's, so you said you started last year, March. Yeah, last year, March. Uh, that's, uh, that's exactly uh, the month of March 2022, yeah. So it's uh, almost a year later. And yeah. when you look at how far you've come, uh, you're looking at the participation levels now. What would you say changed? What led to so many of them now joining? Um, I, I think one, we've got passionate coaches. Um, um, we've, got, we've got passionate coaches and we've been out there on social media. I mean, the coaches that we've got, um, Coach Peace, he actually literally went to door to door in his area, I think it's Aquadine, mm-hmm. and he said, he said, parent, uh, this guy can play basketball. I want him. This one can play basketball. Um, identify players without um, mm. identify players without actually uh, them knowing their background in sports and all that, and said, wow. I want this one to play. Uh, so that is something that um, uh, actually uh, uh, keeps us where we are today. And as, as we grow and more players see what we are doing, then they were like, oh, this is actually serious. Nobody's out here trying to look for money uh, because we've got a different philosophy uh, um, uh, for, the, for, for building up this academy. And we've said that from parents, we won't ask a single cent. Wow. All we want is for everyone to show up. If you need transport, we provide it. If mm. you need, all you have to do is show up. You know, and 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 that has that has uh, broken the ice, sort of, you know, because um, 
there's, 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 I remember I had one parents meeting. There's this parent who said, hey, there's many academies and, and all that, and, and they always want money. And we said, um, that's a good thing you're here because there's not a day, in a, in a year now, we are mm-hmm. heading to a year, we've never said to a parent, we're going to Durban or we're going to close to Nduma, close to Mozambique. Wow. Um, uh, please chip in some. We've never said, we've never, we've always, um, we've always said, all we want is for your kids to, sh- uh, to show up and we'll convert them into basketball players. And that's it. Um, a year later, uh, I'm looking at how have you seen some of these um, young people changing their lifestyles? We know that, uh, especially Yakwatini uh, and uh, some nearby places, after school, the young guys don't have much mentoring. There's not much that they're doing. And we know how sport can influence character, you know, um, in, in, instead of them spending time smoking. How have some of them, have you seen any character development, any character development happening within any of them? Yeah, yeah yes. I think what we, what we have, what is unique and what we have done is that, um, one, we've got a code of conduct for all players. Mm. Um, uh, that that code of, code of conduct is in line with our mission of what we want to achieve. Mm. Um, our mission is to, is to, is to, um, um, is to incentivize basketball athletes and, uh, to an array of opportunities as a result of their academic ex- as a result of their discipline, academic excellence, and skill development. Mm. Yes, um, uh, most of them we've seen a lot of improvement uh, in their character, in their discipline, mm-hmm. in their grades. Now, starting something like this basketball and having to run with it without um, funding. What has been your mechanism? What is it that you've done? Because most, most, uh, areas where, most areas with our people, we know, whether it's townships or areas next to suburbs, we, we know very well that the challenge is always going to be finance. And uh, we know our government can sometimes take a while. What tips you know, have worked for you? That, because the people that are listening, they want to know what is it that has worked for Udub that we can adopt in other places, whether it's other townships or residential areas, what's the recipe without financing from um, co-ops or, or, or the government? I, I think what is most important is that uh, for 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 anyone who wants to even go the same road, yes, I, I I think it's professionalism. You know, mm-hmm. and if, if you want to if you want to buy in, you've got to be professional. You've got in how we also present ourselves. I mean, mm. anyone who knows Duke now, they they know how we, we present what we are doing, and what we are doing is out there. We show it. This is this is what we're doing. Absolutely. This is how we're doing. You know. So so and then we can get buy in. And then the second part is that our model is that we're the biggest investors, investors in in this dream, in this goal, in what we are trying to achieve, mm. in the mission that we are in. So, so before anyone comes uh, in the in the house, they must first see who's in the house, what they doing. Oh, true. You know? true. So, so, so that is uh, what uh, we've been able to 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 do and what we are doing. So, anyone who comes, they will find us on the on the way. They will find us doing it. They will find us supporting. They will find us sponsoring. They will find us on our feet. You know. So, no matter what happens, that that is what they will find. And 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 and, and each day. We try 
and we, we want to be professional. We structure mm. things, we learn more things, and that is what we do. Now, the basketball court area in Aquadine was very infamous for social ills and all that. What does it look like now? Uh, how do you feel having seen it transform to what it's become? Exactly, you know, um, because that's 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 another worry that um, when because I used to play in Aquadine, I mean, uh, over fifteen years ago, and um, and I would leave the court at, at ten at night, you know, I wouldn't worry uh, about nothing. I would just play basketball, and but over the years, um, the court was no more for for what it was built for. Exactly, so it it will be it will be manifested by. You know uh, those ills that you're talking about, and that that culture that people are trying to chase off, um, and that kids are, are finding attractive because there's no alternative. So, but once you once you use it for what it is, yes, we've, we've been able we've been able to put new backboards there. We've, we put backboards, we put hoops, we we revamped it, and and, and uh, we've worked with the uh, local. Um, there's a, a local uh, businessman who grew up in Aquadine who also assisted uh, as he owns an engineering company. We told him exactly what we want to do, what we want to achieve, and how far we can go, how he can assist. And then we were able to bring the court. Uh, today, um, uh, uh, if you go there, you find not just basketball, but more than one, uh, more than one sport. Are you serious? Um, yeah, more than one, even netball wants to play in the court because they are playing there now. Yeah, now we've got people who are doing aerobics. Um, so it's now the whole area has become the whole courtyard has become a sport area, and that transformation is very pleasing. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I'm very, very proud because I'm somebody who once lived in Aquadine. I'm somebody who's from Richards Bay. What can you advise um, other communities? You know, what you've started there, I can tell you now, it will be adopted by other townships, not just in Richards Bay, across the country. Townships or residential areas, whether it's suburbs or whatever, that have got access to basic services or sporting uh, facilities tend to run down those sporting um, facilities because they say there's no participation and so forth. What can you advise? Uh, other residential areas that have got sporting facilities, but they are saying kids are not interested. Um, I will say that the older ones, the parents, um, the you know the stakeholders in the community, the leaders, they 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 must first own up to the facilities that they bought. They must they must take them as their own. They must. Uh, they must, and then once they've done that, if they see a kid there, you know, I've, 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 as, a, as an academic, we've been able, uh, in the last two weeks, I think we went and played in that form. Yes. And was a court that wasn't used for years. But uh, a counselor said to us, we want you, we, we will want you to come to our ward and start a basketball team, the help. Uh, I'm sure there would be somebody who's interested. We we played our first tournament there, uh, and we played a three on three on side. There was um, there was about eight teams, and uh, amazingly, one one was from Poranfort, 
not not one, two were for Bono for uh, uh, young men and girls who go to uh, different schools, others go to university. That court was cleaned. It was uh, they they painted it. Um, uh, because we took an initiative. The leader said, "Come help." You know, mm. so so he took ownership and said, so "Why is not anyone using that court?" You know, what could attract young people to come to that court? And and then he invited us to the academy. The academy went there, and we had a ball. Uh, we played for the ship. Uh, unfortunately, we won the ship because I think we've got professional players now. Oh but, yes, uh, uh, it was excellent. <laughs> The, the coaching staff, um, I would imagine, uh, is people that are much older. And I want to also focus on this because, you know, the, the, the older generation, you're looking at people from their ages of 21 up to 40 years, they will tend to, on our weekends or on our off times, we think it's time to pry and go drinking. How did you manage to get their interest to come and, 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 and participate in terms of coaching? Becoming a part of um, uh, the, the the basketball in the near future, you know, I always worry about how women always tend to join us after we have started things. What's the vision looking like for you going forward in terms of getting women participation, young girls? Yeah, uh, initially when we started, we had about four girls. There is always space for them, and this year we've actually said. What we're going to do now, we're going to focus, we're going to have a girls' team. And and already we've got four girls who are consistently now are coming. And, and we want to support them because we want also to participate at the same level at uh, as the boys. Uh, what we just need is for them to just show up just like the boys. Yes. We must live outside the fact that they are girls. You know, when basketball started... Um, um, uh, 132 years ago, uh, by James, um, I think Neil Smith or something. Mm. Uh, it, it was it was just a game uh, during a, a winter to an indoor game to get people uh, to play something when 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 they couldn't play um, baseball and, uh, and, 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 and 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 American football, you know. So 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 now now the game has evolved over the years you know we've, we've seen many girls also and, and, and who are playing in other uh, in other levels so so we must push the girls to the direction whereby they all actually buy in to basketball and the more we give them support 
the more they're going to come, the more they're going to know that there is the... Because netball is taken as a sport for women, mm. which it isn't, you know? Basketball, women can play basketball, they can play soccer, they can play rugby, you know? So so, so now we, we, we want to attract them, we want to uh, focus on them also. And, 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 and looking at the future, we see by the end of the year, having a full-fledged team of girls team that has about uh, 8 or 12 players. That is what we want to achieve this year, you know, and going forward that they can play in other tournaments and all that. But we will have the team and, and, and there are girls who are interested, can be interested, can good basketball players who probably have others are sport because of perception that those are actually for girls or those are better for girls. And, and, and Basketball is even nicer for girls, you know. So, yeah. Absolutely. I heard you naming a couple of places that you have gone uh, with with the team. Where have you travelled to with the team? Anywhere in particular? We've been to Ndomo, which is uh, just close to the border of uh, Swaziland. What's happening there? What? Yo, Ndomo. Where is that? Uh, you pass to Zini. Um, uh, uh, from Richards Bay, it's equivalent to the same distance from Richards Bay to Pochepstein. Okay. That's how far Dumo is. Yeah, so you pass Josini, you go all the way to the, to the, it's, it's, it's close to Manguze. Oh, there. I see. Yes, close to Manguze. We, we, we've been there, we've went to Netwood, Devon, where we played uh, the Northwood North, North College. Um, I think it's a private school. I know Northwood, yes. Yeah, we, we played them. Um, uh, and then locally, we've, we've covered many places here. Yeah, we went to, like I said, Poranford. We went to Zanga as well. Uh, the, the difficulty is this. Now, unlike soccer, mm. um, with basketball, we can only travel where there's a court and there's a hoop. Oh, there's yes. a backboard. Now, our challenge with traveling, in, in, in especially around that we have seen, is that uh, the court, you might find that it used to be a court, it's got one pole, one hoop, you know, one backboard, or the backboard is not there. So it limits us, you know, and, 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 and this is why what we have done also is that we, have, we are actually looking at around uh, the courts in the court teams that try to see. What can we offer to make sure that uh, that when you go there the next time, uh, at least we've contributed to make sure that there's a court. You know, that the court that is there, uh, the ground is there, it's just like the hoops, you know, the backboard and all those. If we assist on those things, then we'll have a team established there and, and things like that. So, that. so we've traveled like that so far. Um, uh, uh, that's the way But our coaches, I think they've even gone to Transbet. Uh, for training, um, so 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 yeah. And this year we're gonna travel more because uh, we've got Cape Town lined up, Johannesburg lined up, um, um, uh, um, and, and 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 the other provinces that we also want to go to. Uh, a little bit about the coaches. I hear you say the coaches have been up to Joburg, for example, for some coaching. What type of networking or support are they getting? Like, uh, what was that for? Uh, basketball has what you call coaching clinic, obviously, where mm-hmm. they, they, they 
coaching clinics uh, for coaches, uh, for officials, and, and all that. So they were there to actually be capacitated to become better coaches. They were trained, I think, by co- um, uh, uh, Craig Daniels, uh, who's, who's very experienced. Uh, I think he's in basketball, South Africa. Okay. Um, uh, uh, so, um, uh, and he's a level one FIBA uh, federation. Um, I forgot the, what you call it, but it's a, it's a, it's an association uh, for basketball internationally. Okay. You know, yeah. So, so, so he's he's a level one coach, meaning he's accredited as an not no 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 not coach. Sorry, he's an instructor. So he's an accredited as a FIBA instructor because um, uh, what you call basketball coaching also, just like if you want to be a lawyer, there's, there's, uh, you must get accreditation. You know, so so they were they went to introduction training in that coaching clinic so so that where they were going to be trained and they were trained as um, as, as as coaches and there's more clinics that we're going to come because we also want them to achieve a level one FIBA uh, FIBA level one coaching uh, qualification accreditation so so that is what that that was the whole intention because and anyone uh, anyone can call themselves a coach because they put a whistle and they can, uh, they can, I mean, they can give instruction. But uh, the, the basketball is professional. You know, they must be accredited. They must develop. They must go. And that is why we want professional coaches. And and this is why we're taking them to these clinics because ultimately we want FIBA recognized, accredited coaches that are able to develop and, and coach anywhere. In this, in, in, in this country and they can even go out uh, to coach and that is what we want to do so it's an, it's an opportunity for them um, and whatever they get whatever they cultivate from these coaching clinics it was actually, it's actually what they feed in to the players that they are coaching this is wonderful work and I'm looking at uh, what you are doing as a form of uh, it's basically human capital it's human skills development at, uh, at its best um Wonderful stuff. We plan for under 30, which is uh, grade 7, grade 4. So those four grades, we want to take them. Uh, so that's going to go gradually until we get we get to the to the, to the very young ones uh, from 8 years old. And that is where we want to start off. Uh, but our maximum, our ceiling is under 20. We don't want to go above that. We let others continue there. Um, but for development purposes, we wanted to start in the middle of of this um, of, of this uh, adolescent age, and then uh, go up and then come back down. Uh, when, so that when these ones, the small ones, are, are being developed, then there's already teams that they're gonna go into. You know, same as same as uh, why we open number uh, under twenty, so that when these ones go above eighteen, because we can't drop them now. Then they can go to uh, under 20. Because already there, uh, uh, you can play for national team, you can play, you know, for for, for provincial teams uh, like Kaiser and Marlins, you can play for them. So, 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 uh, when you are above 20 and stuff like that. So, 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 but for development purposes, we can work within this age group, uh, groups and, 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 and we are comfortable there. 
Absolutely. And uh, what I want to know, after it's been a year now, and I, and, and I keep emphasizing that because it's very rare that uh, one may start something like uh, the, the, the type of sporting code that you are doing, which is basketball, and to, to the type of growth and reception that you've had. What has the community's uh, response been? What are some of the highlights for you in terms of feedback? Uh, I think last year, uh, last year, this year will also be having them. We've had what we call uh, social Fridays, mm-hmm. uh, where we invite parents um, and anyone in the community uh, to have a social event with us, um, uh, and then we share with them our mission and what, uh, our objectives. You know, we share with them, and we introduce our players and uh, and and uh, our processes. And all those things, and 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 we had a good turnout. Um, we've got, we've been getting a very good feedback uh, from communities, and they love what we are doing. And 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 others want to support what we are doing. Others want to partner with us in what we are doing. And and this year we 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 we've even seen uh, like um, even small businesses from that are actually by young people. You know, we've got Root, Root Gang, who's our great partner. Mm. We've got uh, Volta um, uh, uh, that sells water, uh, who's our brand partner. Mm. So we've got uh, the random pictures. Uh, those are the people that want to work with us. And there's more people. Who, so that feedback is very encouraging because then it means you've got people in the community who see what you are doing and they see how they can uh, uh, come in and assist and, and, and pick up and be part and, and also showcase what we are doing because ultimately uh, the better uh, the more we work together the better we are able to stack the good that we are doing so that it becomes it expands and extend to other places where it's actually not there uh, we are early in the tech, we are early, early, very early into the technological adoption in South Africa with AI and everything, and people having access to internet. Why? What brought up that idea for you to be installing fiber, and how is that going? Um, I think two years ago, uh, not two years ago, I think in 2018, um, there's a, a, a lady I've, I've asked to even share her name. And she approved. Uh, I think her name is Sheila Dan. You know, she she was looking for a job with uh, Amazon, and uh, um, and Amazon said to her, I mean, she she done other processes, and they said, okay, now there's only one thing that we need from you, and they said we want 10 megabits per second of fiber, and then uh, then you've got a job. Now, when she came to me with that, I was so shocked, mm-hmm. you know, and then I decided to, to do a research on the infrastructure of, of fiber, where it's being installed, why it's being installed there, you know, what's the market like, you know, who's installing it, and who, who participates, you know, in the installation of fiber. Then I found out that you've got FNOs, which are fiber optic. Uh, owners uh, or fiber network owners, yeah, uh, F and O, yeah, fiber network owners, and then you've got uh, you've got uh, 
ISPs, uh, internet service providers and stuff like that. So who owns the infrastructure? It can be those fiber network owners and stuff like that. You know, you know, and then I was like, okay, let me uh, engage these people to come because I've noticed that they actually do not much, they were not focusing much on the townships and uh, the places that were the outskirts of town, yes. you know. And I said, let me engage them. I do up a petition. I engage them. And, and I, I use the Sheila story to say, Sheila can't go to, to a shop and say, I want fiber. Because for it to be there, there must be infrastructure. It's not like it's not like LTE, you know. Uh, you can't get a, a SIM card for it, you know. So so that's what inspired me to say, let me engage these FNOs. Let me tell them that, no, 21st century, uh, uh, you can't uh, not see the market in these areas because if these people can afford a DSTV, they can afford uh, a 20 megabits uh, per second of fiber a month, you know, which even costs less than a DSTV. So, 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 so that is that was I was inspired by Sheila, um, uh, and then. And also looking at where the stage we are, the fourth industrial revolution, uh, uh, broadband, which is fiber, um, is where we are. And without that infrastructure expanding, unfortunately, South Africa is unlike Rwanda, where government is actually uh, running projects where they are putting fiber. I was like, let me rather approach these FNOs. The same way students will approach uh, APSA to put an ATM uh, or banks, rather, to put an ATM in their university. It is the same way I thought, let me just approach these FNOs, get them uh, tapping into the township. Even now, I'm approaching them for, for rural areas because they're like, no, but there are no streets in rural areas. There are no addresses. I'm like, that's an old way of thinking. If 1996 at home, we had a landline in the rural areas, and if there was a fault, telecom could come fix it. You can also have fiber. You know, and uh, 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 then you must build your infrastructure to conform to the environment that you've got. And and so far, it's spreading. I mean, the whole of Skawini today has fiber. Are you serious? People, people are plugging in. From last year, we finished a project in December. Uh, right now, people are connecting their homes. There is fiber today. You know, because sometimes we talk about uh, visual learning, visual meeting. All those things need internet with low lag time. You know, it needs internet that is reliable, that is quick infrastructure, that is not um, uh, reliant, uh, uh, that you can back up um, with UPSs and all that. The connectivity that is the right infrastructure will open more opportunities for people who have less opportunities. All they, all they need is access to that uh, infrastructure. And that is my drive, and that is what I want to achieve uh, ultimately, you know. What is the difference? You know, I'm actually learning something here. Um, you, 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 you are speaking of uh, FNOs, fiber network owners. Can you just break, maybe break it down for us a little bit? What are FNOs? So an FNO is like somebody who builds and owns the infrastructure. So, so, so they design it. They, 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 it becomes theirs. In a sense, it's become like, like I want a water pipe. 
uh, I, I, I put a water pipe in this whole network, like how the municipality works. The municipality, for them to sell a service like water, they, they must first have the infrastructure for it. So they will create, they will do a civil works to, uh, to install pipes, and, 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 then, and then they will buy water from bulk water suppliers like uh, water boards and, and stuff like that, you understand? And service, because they own that infrastructure and they charge you for that service. So FNOs uh, operate like that. They, they create the infrastructure. So they buy the infrastructure, the, the fiber, they install it, it's theirs, you know? And, and once they've installed it, then you've got the ISPs, uh, Internet Service Providers. Now, the people who will make use of the infrastructures, ISPs are like Vodacoms, um, oh. uh, 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 Vox, you know, mm. and all these different companies. Then they, they, then they, what you call this, others are dual, like Vodacom can be an FNO and an ISP at, at one. So they can sell data to you. They can also own the infrastructure and things like that. So that's, that's how they differ. Um, so you've got different companies who are now playing in that space um, who are actually now going dual, they're going, they're becoming FNOs and they're also ISPs because it's a very big market. It's a very big market and it's a market that is booming currently uh, given the requirement uh, like, like for, for the technology that we've got, like artificial intelligence requires broadband internet, the high-speed internet for it to function at the level that it should function, you understand. Mm. So, so that's 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 a difference, and that and that's basically how uh, uh, these things work. And is it uh, is it in terms of costs uh, for uh, maybe let's say installation of fiber and so forth? What, what is it cheaper than uh, what what we are normally used to, or what what are the differences? Number one, uh, one of the biggest differences, uh, it's uncapped, right? Oh. Um, it's, it's uncapped, and, uh, uh, so unlimited, and then you choose the speed that you want. You can get 10 megabits per second, 20. It goes to up to 940 megabits per, per second. Wow. You know, so, so, um, um, uh, so, so the faster the internet you require, most households, maybe the household of four, will require maybe 20 to 40 megabits per second. That's sufficient. That's enough. Uh, 20, uh, 40 megabits uh, per second is about 300 and something, um, which is more than enough um, uh, for the speed and the kind of things that a person will do, a household, even a small business, um, uh, uh, even what we're doing now. Um, uh, I'm 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 on fiber, you know. So so and 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 when there's no trading, then your 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 you've got UPS and uninterrupted power supply. Uh, so when when there's no trading, you still have internet. So mm. you're not you're not affected by no trading. You understand? So so uh, uh, but Vodacom uh, for two hours or one hour, an, an example with Vodacom. For one hour or two hours on their tower, the battery is finished, there's no network. So, mm. so you, you can't connect anymore. But with fiber, uh, you can still get the very same speed even with load shedding uh, because 
you've got your 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 rotor uh, plugged on UPS, uh, so your power is not interrupted. It just goes as normal and stuff like that. Well, this is it's got a lot of advantages. Uh, encouraging schools, you know, I'm very passionate about education and young people. Encouraging schools to adopt the fiber and, and, and UPS option. What can you advise? Um, right now, um, you know, it's the, 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 the schooling system mm. uh, depends on the infrastructure of that evolution for them to transform the lives of learners mm. or for the learners to be competitive uh, in a global market. Mm. Now, now, the problem that you might have is that in the school system, you, you find that the system is still on the third industrial revolution. They, mm. they, they are getting even on the third, they are actually entering it mm. because they, 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 they are still finding how to use the uh, internet. Others is not even allowed. It's, uh, they don't allow it. Um, don't bring your phone. So the kind of, the kind of um, what you, the, the pedagogy, mm. the way in which uh, learning is delivered and uh, needs to change. Mm. Uh, they need to embrace and adopt the technology that is current. If it's not there, they might be the first ones to say, Vodacoms, we understand you've been giving us free data, two gigs, and all these, and, and tablets, and all these. But what we will appreciate more is for you to extend your fiber uh, 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 network to us, uh, to, to our areas. And, and they can. These companies can do that. But all they need to know is that is there a market for that? You know, so because, because if they're not doing that, they are the same as teaching the kids with encyclopedia. Uh, it is mm. the same. Mm. Because, mm. Uh, because another kid in Finland is using uh, fiber and they are able to access the information quick, fast, it's reliable and and, 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 and our child here is trying to look for a word in the dictionary by paging it and, and, uh, 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 for more than five minutes. You know, so so the, the information with, with the current uh, broadband is on the tap of the finger, and and, 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 and and for that to happen, the infrastructure must be there. When the infrastructure is there, the schools, the institutions must make use of that infrastructure. And that's it. And these are some of the advantages of uh, the adoption of uh, fast internet or fiber in the education system. How much would it improve the adoption of fiber and, 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 and internet? How much would it improve uh, the level of education? Because I, when I went to school in Richards Bay, we went to school with white kids, and the following day you would find that after doing their homework, they would have already been sitting on the internet. Uh, when are we saying how early would our kids be able to adopt internet and how much would it improve the level of education? Uh, you know, school, the, the schooling system, uh, apart from what it was intended for, is about learning. Mm. Now, 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 even research will tell you this. Um, 
uh, uh, without adop- adoption, you've got a learning gap. You've got a le- you've got a gap in opportunity of learning. Mm. You've got a gap in your competitiveness. You've got a gap in the kind of information that you are able to get. Mm. So, so the information that becomes stagnant, uh, mm. because while others are talking about uh, fintech, mm. you're still talking about balance sheet. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you're still talking about uh, uh, general ledger. You're mm. still talking about, you know, others are talking about cryptocurrency. You still so 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 so. The most learning is happening at the advancement of technology and the adoption of technology. That's where the learning is. Mm. You understand? Because because you are able then to get and to teach and to get information in a shorter space of time, in a quicker way, in a structured way, and uh, and you are able to get it just um, with a tip or a, a click. On the, on the on the PC on your phone and things like that. If we're not doing those things, then we are denying the children learning. We are just keeping them there in schools, old enough for them to be, um, with respect, useless. You know, mm. because then, then in another another environment, um, uh, they won't be able to participate. You know, they will have low self-esteem because obviously, I mean, when I grew up, you know. Um, uh, I, I I learned how to use a computer uh, in high school at the later also, mm. you know. So so imagine now um, a, a child who still feels the same way today, like how I felt uh, 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 nineteen years ago, mm. over nineteen years ago, over twenty years ago, you know. So so it means that there's a learning gap, you know. There's there's a missed opportunity. Um, uh, we need to tap into that Absolutely. because all, all, this, all, all the kids need for their learning is, a, is, is an environment that is conducive for them to be able to, to you know, to be maverick, you know, mm. in their thinking, in, 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 in doing things, and and, and 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 that environment will require the the, the current tools of this revolution that we have today for them to be able to tap in to whatever they want to advance and to whatever they want to learn and and and, and the opportunities are limitless you know Absolutely. so so that that's what we need we need to look at it in that direction uh, because there's no child today who must feel the same way that you felt when you were in high school um in terms of mm. opportunity and um, but you find out that um we are just uh, singing a gospel about for the industrial revolution, but we are actually not. We are still stuck for the third, um, and, and especially when it comes to 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 economics. Uh, no, sorry, and, uh, pedagogy and how we deliver learning. Um, it's not happening, and, and and we are depriving many of these children. And it's the same thing that gets people uh, into need, not in education training or in employment, because. They give up in that education that they've been given. They give up in employment because it makes it reduces them, you know, mm. uh, because they're not given the same opportunity that uh, somebody who stays in balance here was receiving, you know. While they stay, probably 
less than 10 kilometers from Merencia, or even five uh, from mm-hmm. Merencia, or, or even one kilometer from Bedwood, but they don't have the same opportunities as those people, and they go past that opportunity every day. Somebody who goes to from Mandanzini to um, uh, to um, from to uh, to Richards Bay passes a, a place that with fiber, with water, with electricity every day, and they pass there, there every day. You understand? Imagine how they feel when they're not receiving the same opportunities. What's Even the... the public and stuff like that? So, so those are the things that we need to look at, and we need to look at, and we need to look at, we need to look at, at them and focus in transforming uh, how we deliver education because. Education is about learning. If it's not achieving learning, uh, then it's not achieving what it's supposed to do. Absolutely. At now, at municipal level, where we're speaking of councillors for the, the various wards, what is the challenge? What's causing the gap? Or are they not proposing uh, the the adoption of uh, technology and the internet? I mean, you've made very good examples. For example, Umzingazi, Karenti, or Imajanzini are less than two kilometers from highly uh, high LSM areas like Birdswood and, and Merencia. However, for years, you know, the adoption of technology within those municipalities and those areas of, of residents is, is non-existent. Are our councillors aware of the importance of technology and is it something that's being spoken in, in, in those municipal chambers? Um, I, I, I think also they, they, they are faced with the same dilemma uh, because what must come out is what, what had come in. You know? mm. So you can only show, share knowledge uh, from what you have received, the knowledge, what you have, what you have received. So, so even councillors are facing the same dilemma in that um, uh, they are a product of the same environment that deprived them uh, of things that could have advanced them or could have broadened their, their or, or could have given them access mm. to information that is limited. Now, mm. it, it, now, you can only expect the same to come you understand? Mm. Uh, a counselor who was denied information uh, about fiber, who was denied those kind of things, um, it, it is difficult to now uh, think that they will actually stand uh, in a council meeting and say, hey, look, um, this is how we must uh, uh, provide uh, an environment for private sector to drive their infrastructural project of this uh, uh, element like fiber or network uh, to these areas uh, because they themselves have been deprived the very same information and given also how then councillors are elected because anyone who's mentally ill uh, can be elected as a, as a oh sorry who's mentally uh, fit can be elected as a counselor, mm. so there's no there's no meritocracy in in actually choosing a counselor. So it can be anyone. So uh, imagine now full council. It is a, a, a full basket of different people who comes from different backgrounds, and most of them 
out of bakeries that deprive them of a lot of things. They are coming from all these places, Zeleni, Skawini, uh, and all. They make the majority. And some, they, some, they even um, do not go to university. Uh, uh, a few uh, stats when Kota was saying it was only others can't even read the report. Mm. And that comes to them in council. You know, so 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 it would be very difficult uh, to to then uh, not that I'm, I'm saying that uh, I'm trying to degrade them or, or, or look down upon them, mm. but I'm saying our society uh, because of the unequal nature of our society, it has deprived them uh, the benefit uh, and the leverage of actually uh, providing the solutions. Uh, uh, the 21st century is the 21st century solutions that are needed today, because they are also uh, tapped uh, in the in the 19th and 18th century and, and or 20th century. They also do not have the updated data or info about how they can actually transform their community. Apart apart from the obvious, there's potholes, there's no light, hard uh, glass. Uh, 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 that is needed, but it will never transform the majority of young people who are above sixty-five percent who are sitting at home while they're blind. Now you traveled to, I think, was it Rwanda or uh, somewhere in Africa? Uh, I think it was last year, if I'm not mistaken. Tell me about your journey there. What did you see? Or maybe let me let's just start off. What you were there to do? Yes, I've. I've lived in Kenya, by the way. You've lived in Kenya? I'm um, a ecclesiastic uh, teacher. So I've lived there. And what, I, what the difference that I, I was able to to learn from Kenya is that um, in a small place like Mteleni um, or Aquadib, uh, an example, or, or Matagi in, in, in the Eastern Cape, um, or, or Kailisha, you find the most people, people with skill. You can you can get somebody to make you a shoe, a shovel, a couch, uh, all these things uh, in, in you know in in, 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 in where you live. Um, uh, so the level of skill that people have um, uh, there, and the level of agricultural activities. And also technology in, 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 in how they've also been able to to move very quicker when it comes to technology, even more than us. Um, in most cases, like Rwanda and stuff like that, and Kenya in terms of fiber, they are ahead of us. Uh, Rwanda actually puts fiber even in rural areas. Uh, so those are the kind of things that I was able to see that you know, if we can learn from those economies and those countries. Um, uh, it could sit. Uh, it could it could ha- help our communities better because um, we 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 have become more of communities that consume more uh, than are able to create, manufacture, um, uh, invent, and all those kinds of things. And if you can't if you, if you can't go do those things, invent, create, and manufacture. Uh, and, and produce, it will be very difficult uh, for us to change our socio-economic conditions um, 
uh, or, or elevate uh, uh, while we have an alleviation of poverty and ignorance and all those things uh, 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 because then we are unable to do this simple four things and, uh, and, and, and that's what I've learned um, as I've traveled and um, uh, uh, so, so yeah I, I think uh, from my experience um, I've, I've learned a lot from, from my brothers and sisters across in those places in those countries that I've been able to visit um, uh, and I've met young people who are very passionate about work um, uh, school and commitment and all that and, and I wish that uh, we can actually uh, move the, towards the same direction otherwise we'll become like the Bronx um, um, in the States uh, where the majority of our people uh, are actually waiting for footsteps from government and, and then we become dependent uh, and, and those things and, and so we need to rid ourselves of that dependency and, 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 and you know, I met a young man who, who, who took himself to university without his parents knowing by working at the saloon. Um, for me, those are the things that inspires me. And, and those are the things that I was able to learn. Um, and, uh, in fact, that's why I even went to school 10 years after. I, w- I went to university about 10 years after I left high school. So, mm. so, so, so yeah, uh, I mean, I've been able to learn those things. And I, and I think we can draw some good example from, from our brothers and sisters in the diaspora, you know. Uh, mm. uh, you know. <laughs> Talking about Rwanda, um, I just want to know, what, what do you think we have disconnected from what they're doing? What's the gap coming from? What is it that they've done that you would say we can adopt? Like for instance, let me give you an example. Um, um, uh, Rwanda, in terms of their manufacturing uh, and the infrastructure that they build, uh, when, it, when it comes to manufacturing, okay, um, um, uh, you know, in terms of automobile, in terms of mobile phones, in terms of um, electrical and, 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 and things like that. They've been able to actually incentivize uh, industries, uh, local industries, um, uh, in doing that, in, in, in them being able to produce things, and and they've been able to fund innovation, mm. um, which is something that we still uh, uh, we lack on, on on that very much. The, when you get to Rwanda Airport, you get free internet without limits. When you get to when you get to um, uh, to King Shaka, you get uh, always on that will that is limited. You understand? I'm I'm just making an example. Mm. If you go out area in Rwanda, you find internet, not just internet, broadband. Yes. You know, and 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 they've been able to do these things. Government has taken an active role in driving development like that, you understand? Mm. Uh, and not only, and also in terms of education. So so all, all these things are linked into changing and transforming the social economic uh, conditions of, of, of citizens in how government then plays an active role in making sure that in terms of infrastructure, 
that is being built, it is an infrastructure that actually complements the education system or assists, you know, or, or, or give it a ladder uh, so that it becomes uh, uh, what you call the kind of education system that ultimately will have outcomes that are going to be um, uh, to, put, to to give uh, these young people uh, armor opportunities or make them create opportunities because that's that's how, that's how innovation when you found innovation that's what you do because then you've got people then are going to create opportunities and that's what Rwanda has been able to do they've taken our housing uh, project and uh, program and they've excelled in how they structure it and how they do it you know uh, for us I think even though we've been able to work on those things and you know, we've been having RTP houses, but uh, in how we structure these things and how we we even provide opportunities, even the land of an RTP house, you know, uh, uh, shows uh, a lot of concern and, and all those things. So these countries uh, like Rwanda, they've been able to, to, in what we could do, they've been able to do it better because then it's focused. Then, then they've got direction. Then they've got uh, proper outcomes uh, when it comes to because if you provide the infrastructure uh, for broadband, then you're gonna more, you're gonna have more young people uh, creating things, more young people uh, being able to do things, more young people being able to establish businesses. You know, they, you're gonna create a whole system of value chain that you would have not had before if you did not have a simple infrastructure and footprint as an example you know so all of that, is, uh, that we can uh, 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 draw inspiration from and learn from uh, from these other countries so mr Sazi, it sounds to me as if you know each time i hear about um, uh, the infrastructure for technology i hardly hear things like it's expensive or it's the costs that are the stumbling blocks what would you say, because our people can afford data, that's a given. Uh, what would you say are the stumbling blocks in terms of South Africa's ability to adopt innovation and to adopt uh, the use of technology across the board? I mean, we live in an age, I, I tend to hear people saying uh, with the fourth industrial revolution, it means the robots are going to take our jobs. You know, so people are scared that uh, technology is going to be a way or automation is going to be uh, they're there to take their jobs. It's like we are scared of it. It's like when it's the new millennium or something, the world is going to end. Why do you think in South Africa we've got this negative uh, perception towards technology and the adoption of it? Because to me, it sounds it, 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 it looks like it's, it's, it's a way more cost effective way. Yes, yeah, it, it, you know, there's this. Cons and cons, um, um, but ultimately, um, you know, we, 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 we can't we can't uh, uh, just focus on on excelling on making a maguina while others are making pizza. You know, mm. we've, we've got to change uh, change management. You know, that's that that's one thing because for you to to ad adopt a new system, a new process a new technology, a new way of doing things, you know, you've, you've got to deal with change management. And those perceptions are there. And others are too. You know, when Standard Bank is going to close uh, more than <clears> 2,000 <throat> banks, 
across the country and people are going to lose their job. Yes, that's true. People are going to lose their job. But what we are missing is this, you know, how to make sure that actually that doesn't happen uh, or doesn't have that impact that it has now, you know. Uh, so, so, so then you've got to create other opportunities within the technological space that that people do, that can people can learn um, uh, from. They can uh, what what you call this? They can transition uh, uh, in terms of what they've learned or what they've knew um, uh, to to something new. Uh, like for instance, uh, when when mechanization. Uh, uh, of processes started. Uh, it is the same thing, even developed develop countries, uh, what they were worried about, that it will take jobs, you know, um, uh, 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 because then you're going to have something that used to be done by 10 people being done by a machine. You know, that's possible. But you can still have those 10 people doing other uh, uh, byproducts of that, doing other things in the same space of technology. You know, so 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 like for instance, um, you've got institutions of learning, like uh, universities, uh, you've got colleges that are still focused more on um, the the technical uh, 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 um, uh, the technical um, uh, modules or subjects that they are doing. As they they do not include technology. Um, uh, so you need, you need to transform. You need to change that, so that you, you because gradually you must you must be able to say this is what this is what um, the market demands. This is what you have, and this is how you can move from what you have to what the market demands. Like for like for instance, another example I could make is that maybe one shaft of a mine uh, can have about six thousand workers. Now. If it closes, you've got sixteen thousand people not having work. Mm. You know, but if you have been able to introduce other things within the market demand, um, uh, that allows people to to transition um, from the third industrial revolution to the to the fourth, then you are able then to dismify the perception. You are able then to minimize the negative impact that comes with technology, you are able to you are able to empower more people, and including also how you fund. You know, you know the EP, I mean, For me, I will I will change the EPWP program. I will fund it more on technology, on people changing our qualifications because uh, 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 in, in in the twenty first century. People won't be needing tellers. Why would you not help that that market, that job market, those people to to transition from being tellers to something different? You know, uh, within the technological space, because people still want the human interaction, but it must be human who understand the technological advancement and the evolution of technology that we we have. So those are the things that we need to look at. Uh, change always has an impact. It could be negative, it could be uh, positive, and, but it's mostly positive 
and and unfortunately we can't say that no we're going we, we, we're going to be uh, not Korea we're not going to uh, accept uh, carrying phones we're not going to accept uh, watching this and this you can't stop it you know and if we, if 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 we if we, are, if we are left behind then we can't be competitive you know true then we'll rely on those parties and uh, the next time they'll be the ones who who will be sending us oranges or citrus food uh, food of something that we uh, we are very good at in south africa but because of our processes because of how we produce the product they will, because of how quicker they will be doing it they'll be they'll be selling oranges to us in fact they might as well even cultivate from us and sell us those oranges because we are not uh, transitioning into the uh, the revolution that demands that we need to learn new things uh, that are different from what we used to learn and and that's the direction that we must go absolutely now coming to richards bay uh, the city of umshatuza um, I, I, I always say it's an environment that is busting with uh, potential uh, economically and it's one environment that I think it's one of the best places where you can raise your children but also a great place to retire is what I will always say. And looking at Richards Bay today, we've got the port, we've got the industries and we've got everything in terms of um, a, a vibrant economy. Um, the youth and, and young people, is it shaping them for the next 30 years? Is it, is it, are we raising young people that are going to be absorbed by the same uh, economic uh, drivers that are in Richards Bay, would you say? We've got big industries there that are going to be there for the next 50 years. Is there a, 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 a viable plan to be able to absorb the young people and uh, into the economy of Richards Bay? Um, you know, if you look at the economy of Richards Bay and how it's structured, especially when it comes, we've got, we've got I think more than seven mines. We've got an engineering that is booming in Richards Bay. You've got, you've got, um, when you go out and you've got agriculture, you're surrounded by, you know, uh, sugar cane, cane lands and, and, and all that, you know, uh, but in terms of that, uh, uh, taking a lot of young people, uh, uh, it is not uh, taking, uh, the economy is not unfortunately taking a lot of young people because then the question is, um, um, if you look at the kind of opportunities probably that they provide, we do not have uh, so to speak, employable young people for those opportunities. Now, now, what is needed is to look at look at young people um, uh, holistically and looking at uh, how we can actually make sure that the young people that we have, the kind of opportunities that we provide them, are opportunities that are able to draw them uh, in in their numbers because. Currently, we don't have that. Why is that? You know, got, Why is that? Got, uh, uh, I think it's the structure of the economy. And I think I think it's, it's the kind of, of activities. Uh, like, for instance, I've, I've made an example earlier when we spoke about where are the most young people right now? They are most 
uh, 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 most of them are, are more um, uh, probably needs. So they're not, they're not in education, not in, not in training, um, not in employment. Uh, so they, they what you call need. So if you look also at the step SA, it tells you that the majority of young people between the age of of, uh, of 15 and 25, uh, uh, they are in that bucket of need. Now, to change that, uh, 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 now we need to look at the opportunities that are, are, are going to be catered for them. Um, um, uh, but if you look at the industries that are there, like the, like the, the, the mines, um, uh, I'll give you, for instance, your RPMs and all that, um, the, the kind of resources they produce, you need to have a value chain of young people uh, participating in the byproduct of what those minds are actually doing. Exactly. They can participate, they can be introduced to, 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 to the chemical sector within the very same mines. They can be introduced to, to the, the, their building systems and processes within those mines in terms of automations and all those things. They can be introduced to 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 new new mechanism in, in farming that are, are being adopted by other countries and other economies that are different from the old style of doing things because that is what limits the opportunities for young people. If we do mining the same way we're doing, so I think those are the things that. We need to look at change the way of doing things, introduce byproducts that young people can create, the technologies that they can go, the entry levels, technologies that they can participate in. Because you can see now that there are many young people who are actually not looking for a job, they're looking for opportunities where they can create an income. That is that is different from what uh, the old generation wanted. You know, we've got many uh, millennials who are even more than millennials now that are, are, are job hoppers. All they need is opportunities that are that are different. Something that is what they're able to. Uh, that's most challenging. Uh, that is is new. That is uh, is different. Uh, that will attract them. Because, um, in fact, that's how the market works now. You know, you've got a gig economy, which is a, which is something new. You've got, uh, um, you've got uh, um, uh, what you call this uh, in line with um, uh, 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 peer 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 to peer sharing. Mm. And you've got uh, uh, those are the kind of diff- uh, economic models that operate today. Um, uh, Ten years ago. Somebody will just go with a, a, a BNB, you know. Today it's an Airbnb, you know. So there's disruptive uh, business models mm. that these young people need to be introduced to for them to create their own opportunities, uh, and 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 they must and uh, they must they must be done irrespective of the level of learning because this conventional way of saying go to uh, Grade one up to grade twelve. So if if if, if you are not in grade twelve, nobody talks to you. 
you cannot do tier 12. There's no problem for you. Nobody focuses on you. Nobody is, is considering you that you don't have to be in K-12. And not everybody makes it to K-12. Because that, that's another challenge that we've got. You know, we've got many dropouts where we that where when we think of something for them, we like, no, go back to school. Uh, you know, we've got these campaigns, go to metric, repeat your metric, second chances, and all that. That's not what young people want. Um, so we need to we need to be realistic. Even even in developed countries, somebody will not have metric, but they will have a, a SEP certificate. You know, they're busy with uh, 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 with SEP. They're busy with knowing how to to participate in the process. They 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 are they are, they are part of, uh, 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 in the value chain. They are part of of the process. They know that for, for me, this is what I'm I'm in the sales process. This is what I'm going to do. I'm using this machine. This is what I'm doing without actually being uh, taken to say, well, uh, without metric, you can't do anything and stuff like that. So the conceptualization of how we consider education needs to change, needs to transform, you know, because uh, uh, that's how then we got opportunities. That's how for, for young people, we can't uh, create opportunities if, if we're going to use the old way of cutting sugar cane, you know, uh, uh, what else is in sugar cane? What they can do? What they, those are the kind of things that we need to introduce. Those are the kind of things that we need to spend money on. Mm. Not these things of of extending EPWP, CPWP, and those kind of projects. That uh, you spend a lot of money, but it doesn't, it doesn't change the life experience of those people who are beneficiaries. Mr. Msane, it's been absolutely informative. It's been amazing. It's been engaging as well um, to have this moment with you. Um, I just, I'm very motivated currently. And I just want to thank you for the time that you've made. Um, any last words from your side? Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Diaz. Thank you very much for the time and opportunity. Um, uh, we've got to seriously look at how we We need to look at how we are able to make young people to incentivize them to participate in things like sports and, and uh, get them excited again, you know, get them into the developments that are happening around and and, 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 and make them important stakeholders will be able to change our society because we can't change our society if we can't look at what the what is going on in our society that we could change but we're not changing because in our change model, uh, change management, we, we are resisting to adopt new things. We are resisting to to, to transition from how we've been doing things, and, and 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 that's it. And for for those who want to play basketball, and those who want to participate in the code, not only basketball. Uh, let's create a space for that. Let's uh, um, even if you are not a, even if you are not into sport. Uh, if you see five kids who are playing soccer, the next time if you can afford it, you, you drop a ball. Um, you're gonna keep them playing soccer by doing that. You're gonna keep them playing basketball by doing that, because then you will have so interest in their own interest, you know. So, so, so for me, uh, that's my uh, um, last words. And uh, let's uh, let's keep moving. Let's uh, let's do what we can. Um, and let's uh, let's do it uh, let's do it hard 
and we'll be able, able to achieve uh, great things by small and simple things. Thank you so much, Mr. Msan. It's been amazing, and uh, thank you so much. All the best for everything that you're doing. The next time I'm in Richards Bay, I'll be sure to give you a call, eh? <laughs> yeah, no, thanks. I'll appreciate that. We'll, uh, we'll speak soon. Thank you so much, sir. Yes. That is uh, from the Podcast Cafe, Mr. Dupusa Zimsan. Wonderful to hear how much of the work that he's put in, and most importantly, his outlook on the development of societies. I love how he's able to intertwine sports and uh, the easy economic outlook on what needs to happen in our communities. Hopefully, this can be something that can be adopted across the board, but not only by our municipalities. And I love how he was able to depict how our municipalities as well can also get involved. For myself, Loazi Kamangele, this podcast will be available on Spotify, Google, Apple, and Amazon Music. You can catch us out there on The Podcast Cafe. It's been amazing.